This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, welcome everybody. Today is Friday, May 1st, 2020. This is the Sports Biz Rundown. Uh, we put out two episodes per week on the Sports Biz Pod on Tuesday, featuring an interview with an athlete, entrepreneur, thought leader in sports and entertainment. And then on Friday, we bring on the Sports Biz Rundown, where we bring on special guests to provide commentary on the week's Sports Biz news, events, career openings, anything that's going on in the industry. We break it down very concisely. And, you know, this is going on almost a little over a month with quarantine, and we've had some interesting guests and interesting topics. And today we have uh, Mikhail Allen, who is uh, a coordinator for player services with the NFLPA, um, and based in Washington, D.C., former student athlete, very driven, well-spoken, great public speaker. But Mikhail, thanks so much for coming on to, this, uh, to the pod. No, thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. Nice. So, uh, did I get the, the your title right for for the NFLPA? Yes, sir. Yes, you did. There we go. Cool. So, could you tell uh, you know the listeners a little bit about yourself? Just a quick high level overview about you know what you did as a student athlete, and then how you got to where you are now at the NFLPA. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I played football for Morgan State University, which is in Baltimore. Um, played college football for them. Uh, I came to the realization in my collegiate football career that uh, playing in the NFL wasn't a reality for me. Um, So I told myself if I wasn't going to play in the NFL, I would work in the NFL because I've always been fascinated with the business behind sports. Um, So after I graduated from Morgan State in 2015, um, I spent my, you know, entire career. time during graduate school pursuing internships, you know, uh, different career opportunities in the sports industry. And uh, in September 2016, um, I landed an internship with uh, the NFL Player Association in the, you know, executive department. Um, I interned under the executive director and their entire executive team. Um, did really well in the internship and uh, it opened up doors, other doors and opportunities for me within a, within a company. Um, shortly after my internship ended, which was, I think, uh, that December of that year, 2016, um, I was offered a full-time opportunity um, with, with, I'm sorry, I was offered a temporary position in the finance department. You know, they were extremely pleased with the work that I did um, with the executive team, and they offered me a position in the finance department. Now, shortly after my my stint in the finance department, I... Uh, uh, was offered a full-time opportunity in player services. And uh, from there, it's been a, a story ever since, Nick. Um, been, you know, working with licensees and sponsors, working with players and their agents on helping players maximize their brand off the field and working with, you know, licensees, brands, 
um, to, you know, utilize and incorporate players into their product, into their marketing to drive, you know, business and sales and things of that nature. So um, it's been a really, you know, um, cool and, you know, fun experience, you know, just, you know, the journey has been, the journey has been a grind for sure, but uh, definitely worth it, um, you know, when you, you know, start doing something that, you know, you're passionate about and love. Yeah, for sure. And, and um, you're definitely a testament to turning sports as a passion into something that you can kind of make a living off of. So, um, you know, see the work you're doing and always, uh, always happy to support. But let's let's jump right into the, the sports biz rundown where um, sure. we're going to cover the top sports biz news stories. Um, you know, every week we kind of highlight some things going on with uh, COVID-19. Uh, we try to focus on the positives and what are people doing to kind of move the needle in the right direction. So um, some things that just popped up this week were, you know, um, obviously Disney, which owns ESPN and uh, various other properties, they're kind of recommending that potentially the NBA season uh, could be played at one of the resorts where players have space to quarantine um, and utilize the facilities to uh, play in uh, a Disney, uh, you know, environment. So, um, you know, Mikhail, after seeing that, you know, there, we still seem a little bit further away than we think about when sports will return. But for something like this with the NBA trying to lead the charge uh, to come back, what, what are your thoughts on, on playing in, in a Disney resort? I think that is very creative and strategic on the NBA's part. I think that um, you have to, given the time that we're in with social distancing and COVID, um, I think that the key thing is for teams or sports entities is um, having the right infrastructure in place to accommodate uh, this change in, in our environment and our, you know, in the landscape. Um, so, you know, what does, what does that look like? Okay, well, you know, the NBA pivoted to, you know, hosting games at a, you know, a Disney resort, you know, Disney may have the infrastructure in place where, you know, a limited amount of fans could come in, you know, into that particular venue or, you know, uh, have, you know, uh, social distancing guidelines in place to be able to accommodate, um, you know, whatever fans are going to be in attendance. But I think the key thing, Nick, is that um, it, whatever sport is being played, you have the ability biggest driver for the um you know any sports teams is you know deciding to come back and play is making sure that you know uh you have the right television broadcasting you know going on um and that things are you know visible to fans from home um if if you know if fans aren't going to be able to you know actually be on site at the venue um can this be televised you know what does that look like uh, driving TV sales, um, driving social media sales, you know, from Facebook video to YouTube video. Um, but again, back to the main point, um, if the NBA or if the team has, you know, the infrastructure to accommodate, you know, everything that's going on with COVID um, and putting the right guidelines in place for the fans to attend, then absolutely. And I think that's a smart move on the NBA to, you know, make that pivot uh, to, you know, a Disney resort that may have the infrastructure they need to, you know, accommodate fans being back on site uh, for, you know, in venues to watch games. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. It seems like Disney definitely has the infrastructure to support it. If um, It seems like if they're willing to take the risk 
um, of letting um, you know them play. I don't think that there's going to be fans in the stadiums first, but um, what's going to be interesting is to get the players' support because some players might have issues where you you've had some players you know significantly impact you know whether their parents passing away or whoever it is from coronavirus. So that's more of the the you know the effect that we don't want to you know contaminate that and it affects their family. So. Um, getting players on board, I think, you know, we haven't heard their voice yet. Um, we've heard some, uh, you know, athletes kind of highlight, hey, I'm willing to play anywhere, anytime. And those people are always interesting. But there's some more vocal athletes that say, I'm not going to play unless there's fans, um, which kind of gives us a segue to, I guess, LeBron James. Um, he, he did mention that in the past uh, press conference where he doesn't want to play with fans. So, you know, we'll see how that progresses. Maybe he's changed his mind. But um, some news that LeBron James just released is that he's, uh, you know, putting out a TV show um, to honor his high school class of 2020. The program is called Graduate Together. We're um, honoring high school class of 2020. We'll simulcast uh, major cable networks, including Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat. So they're hosting a primetime special um, starting on May 16th um, to honor, you know, I guess high school students and maybe college athletes that, um, weren't able to get that final game to be played. So um, something like this is kind of content, um, new series that, that has come out of this coronavirus is very unique. But um, based off of this, you know, any thoughts on this kind of content series, Mikhail, or anything that, um, you know, what LeBron James is doing, what finds that interesting to you? Yeah, for sure. Well, I think uh, first, I think is uh, very creative. Um, I think is necessary. Um, I think that you're, we're going to see a lot more of it. Uh, we're going to see a lot more of players, um, you know, brands uh, being creative with how they engage with their fans, uh, membership. Um, and I think that it's needed, um, especially just to keep the engagement there. Um, but just going back to your point um, earlier about, you know, the player aspect of it, um, I do think that uh, it's, it's, tougher is going to be tougher for you know leagues like the nba and the nfl team sports you know um i think it's going to be a little easier for you know the golfs of the world or maybe boxing um where you know uh, there's not a large number of athletes you know uh performing together so um you know i think that hearing seeing athletes speak up about it i think is great um because you know it is safety that's on the line, uh, uh, you know, three to six months um, in regards to, you know, how the NBA or whatever, you know, sports leagues plan to, you know, uh, accommodate everything that's going on with COVID. uh, but yeah, just speaking to, you know, LeBron, um, I think that, you know, I think that's really cool that, you know, he's doing, he's doing a virtual, is it a virtual graduation you said? It looks like a TV show that um, they're going to be producing on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, so it, I don't know if it's a TV show, but it's a u- unique content series. It looks like that uh, that just got released. But um, yeah, you know, to, to to kind of your point right there with um, you know what sports are coming back and you know what's realistic, uh, golf, boxing. Um, sports like that will that it's not necessarily team sport. Um, those might be the most realistic, but it's cool to see a different unique piece of content entertainment that, that are kind of spinning out of this um, kind of moving on to, I guess the, the next article with um, Amazon and the amount of people that tuned in and 
people were skeptical mm-hmm. about, you know, if this format was going to work, but the NFL clearly um, proved to put on a successful digital draft. And, um, you know, right now with a deal that just came out with Amazon announcing that, you know, they're going to have a, you know, a streaming deal that was extended um, for uh, live streaming Thursday night football games uh, for 2020 to 2022 season. So, um, you know, the NFL season is still in the air. It's being optimistic, but um, with something like that, with Amazon, you know, uh, what, what are your thoughts on this? It seems like a unique way to kind of get uh, you know, the games in front of more people. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely think, uh, you know, it's it's unique and it's interesting because Amazon, um, obviously they're a streaming platform, but um, is definitely gonna, you know, drive the, just the engagement aspect of, you know, getting that getting the sport visible to fans now that you know who knows who knows what's going to happen within the next three to six months if fans will be able to attend games which I highly doubt it um so no I, th- I think is i think it's creative and i think it's unique uh and i think it's a, a really smart on amazon's part in the nfl um to be able to utilize them as a platform to you know stream uh you know, games um, and get the content to, you know, uh, fans. I think that's the biggest thing now is like brands, teams, um, being extremely creative in how they deliver content now that everything is digital and everything is virtual. Um, so I think that's that's uh, the most, you know, the, the biggest business part for the NFL is being able to deliver that content and deliver it efficiently across a platform that's going to be able to, you know, um, uh, connect with fans on a higher level. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess to touch on even the NFL draft, you know, would love to hear your kind of take or how you were involved with that um, ginormous, you know, uh, experience. So, you know, they broke record numbers. We had so many people tune in. Um, It seemed effective. It seemed like they gave, you know, people the spotlight they deserve for a big, um, you know, upgrade into their life when being accepted. But, you know, tell us a little bit about, I guess, your experience with the NFL PA with, you know, how, how was that being involved with it remotely? Yeah, for sure. So NFL draft, um, I, I don't actually, you know, uh, work with, you know, I, so more specifically for what I do um, when it comes to NFL draft, I work with all the brands who want to do activations around drafts. So um, just recently we um, worked with Procter & Gamble uh, on a red carpet virtual campaign that they did for all of the top draft picks. And that, you know, turned out to be really successful where we had, uh, you know, guys uh shoot their own content of um them uh you know dressing up and walking on the red carpet as if they were actually on site in vegas at draft um they just did it from their homes um so players shot their own content of them doing that um it turned out it was really great turned out turnout um you know um those videos that content that players captured in themselves were released um, a few hours prior to draft by Procter and Gamble. Um, it was really players really receptive to it. So um, you know, I think it was a great way. You know, just from a brand perspective, to uh, one engage uh, with players. Um, number two, uh, deliver content to fans. But then number three, also you know, meet some of their business goals and needs. You know, to drive you know uh, viewership, um, to drive you know um, website traffic, increase social media engagement, things of that nature. So um, no, I think draft was great, uh, and I know that outside of Procter and Gamble, there are a lot of other other brands 
who did activations um, around draft, working with players, um, putting together content pieces, uh, you know, to, you know, deliver to fans, obviously. So, um, yeah, I think draft was a great turnout overall, you know, just with the players that was drafted and then how those players, you know, work with brands during this time to, you know, deliver content to the fans. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, definitely a successful draft and, and uh, for, for being remotely and, and streaming the content. And uh, so go you know, on to the next article with some more streaming news where this is more esports specific, where um, ESL, the world's largest esports company in DreamHack, uh, premier gaming lifestyle festival, announced a three-year deal with Twitch. So um, esports has been one of the uh, sports that has been um, you know, not as impacted as some of these other in-person events since, uh, that, you know, it's a little bit more accessible. So something like this where you see three ginormous esports entities coming together um, and, and you see a lot of, you know, NFL, NBA uh, players that, that love gaming and that's how they're kind of keeping content and their, their fans engaged. So something like this, we're, you know, we're excited to see how, you know, the esports industry involves. But, you know, something like this, you know, Mikhail, I don't know if you are – big into esports or like gaming yourself what are your thoughts on on this uh kind of three-way partnership i think it's great um i think we're going to see a lot more of it i think uh you know I, I think i read an article about you know travis scott you know doing a virtual you know performance and yeah uh, majority yeah. of the, the people who you know uh, was on his live for that virtual performance were fortnite players um so i think that i think that we're going to see a lot of crossover with the gaming industry and entertainment industry, you know, with, with esports, um, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, companies like uh, EA and, you know, Fortnite and, um, you know, all the, you know, different gaming companies is out there is definitely going to see a spike and increase just because of the crossover between sports and gaming. Um, and then, you know, esports platforms are definitely going to see um, increases in their engagement um, and probably newer partnerships on the pipeline um, form, uh, you know, especially with, you know, everything that's going on. So I think it's unique and I think it's interesting. And uh, I think that uh, we're going to con continue to see a lot more of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, on to the next story where we have um, this is more sports betting. Uh, where we have DraftKings as of last week, they uh, were officially able to go public um, onto the NASDAQ, I believe. But uh, from, from my understanding, DraftKings, they've been uh, one of the premier sports betting uh, brands, opening up sportsbook, digital apps, fantasy. Um, they're doing a great job with that. And, and they were able to, to, um, to go public, which was um, under the, uh, you know, uh, the impression that, you know, Sports betting will continue to be legalized in more states where we had as of yesterday, Colorado just became legalized. Um, so, you know, it's definitely tough to be placing wagers on sports uh, right now, but uh, DraftKings seems to be making moves. So, you know, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, Mike, uh, Mikhail, with, uh, you know, DraftKings or any of these other sports betting, you know, enterprises right now. Yeah, so funny thing is, Nick, is that DraftKings used to be one of my accounts. Um, nice. That was a, a, an account that I managed. Um, but I, I think that uh, obviously players, um, players, you know, they're able to do deals with companies like DraftKings and FanDuel's, but the scope of those deals um, are obviously uh, they have, you know, um, limitations around them, just given that, you know, it's, you know, it's gambling and players, you know, um, uh, aren't, you know, allowed to directly endorse, you know, gambling um, over top of that, 
is not legalized in every state. Uh, but I think that, you know, um, to DraftKings, uh, you know, point, they're going to get extremely creative in how they, you know, push out, you know, content and how they, you know, interact and engage with players and the deals that they do. Um, just looking at the article, I think that they uh, – hold on one second. Yeah, it looks like their their valuations at six billion dollars. And from my understanding, there was another company that went public um, a few months ago, and then they uh, essentially rebranded the ticker to DraftKings and, and fully endorsed yeah. it. But um, it gives them a valuation of six billion dollars and a lot more cash to uh, either invest or acquire companies. But um, you know, that thought that was an interesting point. I don't know if you had something else to kind of follow up on that, but. Yeah, no, I, I think that, um, you know, now that they're, you know, a public company uh, for fans out there, for people who are, you know, um, heavily engaged or involved in the you know, sports betting industry, um, I think it's going to be a, a, a big business. But I think uh, really what's going to be the big ticker is, is how many more states are going to legalize sports betting for them to, you know, continue to drive their platform because, you know, um, no matter how much money they, you know, acquire through investments, um, I think um, having, you know, to having a, a platform to be able to operate across all states and, you know, not just a, lim a limited select few is what's going to be, you know, the big driver for their business. So um, I think it's going to be um, uh, unique to see, you know, how that how, how their platform continues to grow just based on, you know, government, you know, mandates and, you know, laws and things of that nature. Yeah, agreed. And I think it's still a little bit further away until we have much more mass adoption of every state. But, you know, it, things are moving in the right direction as, if you are sports better. And as of yesterday, Colorado. So um, we'll, we'll see how that progresses. But still kind of a long way and a lot more legislation to kind of battle through. Um, you know, another, you know, the final article that we'll kind of cover, and it's similar to the same thing that we we're discussing with um, the NCAA, they took a dramatic step this Wednesday, allowing college students to earn income for things like product endorsements and social media content. Um, and it looks like it's not going to be effective until, until 2021, but mm -hmm. it was definitely a move forward. The NCAA still has some, things to announce on how that will look, but this is kind of a big move forward for, you know, uh, you know, athletes that uh, have built their own personal brand and they were prohibited from, you know, earning off their own likeness. So, you know, um, something like that is, you know, you being a student athlete and, and may have some strong opinions on that, but what are your thoughts on like this on how is that going to play out and how do you think student athletes are going to receive this, these news? Absolutely. First of all, I'm all on board for um, student athletes being able to maximize off their, you know, their NIL uh, name, image and likeness. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's it's far, you know, we're, we're far removed from, you know, um, player student athletes not being, you know, truly compensated for you know the work that they've done for the university um so i I'm, I'm happy to see it i wish that i was at a college during this time where i could maximize off my you know my likeness but no i think that is going to be good i think for the some of the top players in the in the fbs or in the fcs um who have those high you know social engagement will definitely be able to capitalize um i think that a lot of questions are going to be you know asked and raised to the NCAA because I think right now the, their rules 
with you know the rules around um, student athletes utilizing their name, image, and likeness is that uh, they're not able to utilize um, I think NCAA or you know their college teams' marks, um, which will be tough you know in a sense because you know uh, I think that it will make for a better you know evaluation for the player. Um, if he is able, you know, well, the student athlete, if they are able to, you know, not only utilize their their own marks to, you know, uh, as a, you know, as an endorsement of a brand, but also utilize the the college team's marks as well. Um, so I think that, you know, it's 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 we have a lot in store um, within the next year uh, on how you know this will, will this will play out with student athletes, you know, doing you know, endorsements with um, different brands. Uh, but I think that uh, there is definitely going to be a benefit to them um, for a lot of student athletes who don't go on to the next level um, to create uh, essentially a pipeline for themselves of revenue um, off of their own likeness and off of the work that they're doing in their particular sport. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, how, how this plays out with the NCAA and NIL. Uh, with student athletes for sure yeah absolutely and like you mentioned there's still a lot of logistics to break through with um, you know if a student athlete can endorse the brand with you know wearing the uniform of, of their school and that might increase their their brand value but um, you know at the premise of letting students be entrepreneurial and letting them be savvy on their own and it's kind of preposterous to see that there's some overarching organization telling somebody that they can't do what they want with their own brand that they've built themselves almost. So um, still a lot of logistics to break through, but I think especially from a localized level where you have, you know, big SEC schools that have really passionate fan bases in small rural communities and whether it's a local auto zone or a local business, small business, I think that's going to be the biggest opportunity rather than these large, big national brands, I think localized endorsements based off of, hey, we have a car dealership in um, you know, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, that's gonna resonate more with an Alabama player rather than overarching nationwide brand. So it's gonna be interesting to see. I, you know, I don't know if it's just gonna be tons of money that these athletes are gonna get right off the bat. I think they're still gonna have some learning curves about how, to, how are they gonna be managed? How are they going to be making sure that they're doing it the right way? And, um, things like that, but it's moving in the right direction and it's going to be exciting to see um, hopefully you know, student athletes get what they deserve and hopefully the NCA kind of easing back on, you know, what their power and their constructs on, on student athletes and I guess the whole country. So um, it's going to be those exciting car to see dealership that. Deals are, are, those car dealership deals are definitely tough to get, um, but I, I agree with you. I think that from a local perspective, it is going to, uh, you know, student athletes doing deals with just local brands, it will resonate more um, with that particular market. I absolutely agree. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see uh, how, you know, logistics play out with, you know, the NCAA and, you know, the different college teams. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Cool. So that was the, the kind of last article that we were wrapping up. Definitely a jam-packed week of new streaming deals, new, um, you know, NFL updates, sports world. So even though we don't have sports, we're on a hiatus. Um, they're still breaking news. We're still making strides and we're trying to do our best to cover that uh, to kind of, kind of wrap everything up where, um, you know, like I said, we, we released two episodes a week. So we just released an episode with SAP that we, we put out um, talking about the future of sports from an AI perspective. So go check that out. 
Um, another update on our end is we are um, going to be announced, uh, doing a, a digital event starting next week where we are putting on a sports startup debate competition. We've selected 16 startup founders that are going to debate head-to-head -head in a remote stream competition that's going to be judged by professional athletes and venture capitalists. So we have all the pairings set. It's going to start live streaming on Tuesday, uh, this upcoming Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Um, all the details to watch, you can go to www.sportsbizlive.tv. That's how you can watch it. It's completely free. We also have a Pledge It campaign link to raise money for COVID-19 relief efforts. And uh, we also have brackets. So we have a perfect bracket challenge. If you try to per pick a perfect bracket on which founder is going to win it all, you, you're going to win $250. So um, that's something that we're doing, an online event that we're, we're highlighting um, and then I guess to wrap up the, the entire rundown is we kind of highlight uh, top sports biz career openings that we found on LinkedIn. So uh, starting with some entry level jobs, we found Under Armour. They're looking for a uh, visual content creator. Looks like out of their Baltimore office, um, as well as Foot Locker is looking for a Nike pro athlete and a pro lead. So you can find that on LinkedIn. And then some mid-level jobs that we, that we saw that come open are um, for Bleacher Report looking for a community strategist. Um, that Amazon is looking for a vendor manager in their sports department. Um, and then wrapping up with uh, some senior level roles, we have um, looks like uh, the score is looking for a director of communications and media relations. So um, every week we kind of scour LinkedIn and other job openings to try to provide just very concise for people that could perhaps have been furloughed or still looking for new opportunities. It's a different job landscape. So we're trying to just provide a, a quick update on that, but um, other than that, that kind of recaps the top sports biz news, um, some of the events, and then some career openings. But, um, Mikhail, I really appreciate you coming on, and, and we'll love to kind of, you know, see if you have any kind of final words or thoughts about kind of what we're going through COVID-19 and the quarantine, but um, anything that you, you might be uh, interested in passing along to anybody. Uh, no, well, thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, and I would say just to everyone, you know, just stay safe. Um and you know stay within the guidelines of the government and you know um protecting yourself and when they do decide to you know bring back sports and you know fans are able to start going to games again just um move with you know precautionary measures um uh, of course so uh, that would be my message to everyone is just to stay safe uh and you know continue to enjoy your time at home with your family uh loved ones colleagues uh and uh continue to adapt to this virtual world world that we're living in now absolutely yeah i appreciate that mikhail and um definitely go connect with him on on linkedin and um we'll, we'll see you to, we'll see you back next week and hopefully you all will tune into the sports startup debate competition and and uh thanks everybody for tuning in nobody builds 5g like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.